Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this word that you've preserved for hundreds of years. I thank you that we could read it today, and I pray, Father, that by your spirit, it might do more than just be words on a page, but it might become life and hope and community for us. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I thought I might start today by, uh, by saying, you made it. Well done. You're here. Some of you will have come from a long way away, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I can see people here who've come from Wollongong. I'm thankful for that. People who've come from the North Shore. People who've come from as far away as Luff Close behind me. I am really grateful that you made it. Thank you. It's great to have you here today. Secondly, I'd like to say that uh, there's very strong steel beams here and you need not fear the roof caving in on your heads. For some of you, that will have been a fear as you walked into the building. You're thinking, good gracious, will it stay up? There are about eight tonne beams on either side here. I watched them be lifted into place. There's good concrete reinforced steel here. Uh, The roof will stay up and it has so far and we're grateful that you're here under a good roof. Uh, The next thing to say is I want to say thank you for setting your alarm clock, if if you're new here today, for something other than the usual time on a Sunday. Some of you will have thought, oh my goodness, is there a this hour on Sunday morning when there is in fact a more magical time perhaps for you to get up than the time you got up this morning? If you've made that sacrifice, I want to say thank you. We're glad that you made it. I want to say thank you to those people that helped you get here. I hope it wasn't too much of a battle, and I'm thankful that you came willingly uh, to be here with whoever brought you. There's supposed to be some humour here, so if you're picking that up, you're free to laugh, you see. If there really was a tug of war to get you here, like I really am thankful, and I'm glad that people got to work out, and I'm glad that you're here. That's, uh, that's fantastic. I want to think uh, about this site where you are today. This, this photo was taken of the site uh, in June 2012. And for many years, particularly if you're a resident of Warren Park, you will have seen this sign here. Any, anyone seen this sign here? It's not here anymore. Yes, you've seen the sign. And you might have wondered, what does it mean for there to be a future church here? Are they planning to put up a tent? We didn't put up a tent. But under God's wonderful provision, uh, this is now where you are. And uh, for those of you here at our official opening, uh, I took this photo on the day of the official opening, just standing outside there, and, uh, and God very graciously provided that so someone who's a photographer in their spare time could have a very happy memory of the day. So I want you to think with me this morning, why is it here? Why did the developers and the Anglican Church in Sydney, why has all this effort been put together to turn a block of grass into an admittedly fairly beautiful building. Why? What's it all for? What's it all for? I'm going to suggest to you this morning that it's here for three things. For three things. First of those is hope. The first reason that this building here is for hope. And you might think to yourself, do I need hope? Why would I need hope? Well, I'm going to dare to do this. You may wonder, why is this building here? I have no doubt that this building will do lots of things in our community. Lots of things. I have no doubt, although we haven't had one yet, that one of these will turn up here sometime soon. It really will. And so 
seriously, I want to put that up here to say this building will, at some point, be used for a funeral. And I'll let you in on a little secret, okay? You ready for this? Hear the death statistics. <laughs> seriously, seriously, come on, I'll just have a little moment with everyone here. Did you know this? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's it's incredible. But I think this is one of the best-kept secrets in Australia. Seriously. Isn't it true that every time this happens, we're surprised? I am. I always feel the loss and the shock. Even if the circumstances are long and drawn out, all of a sudden I think, how could that be? How could that be? I just want to soberly remind you this morning, the death statistics are sitting at around 100%. And what that means is sooner or later, we will have one of those things here. And in fact, hopefully not any time soon, so we're 100% clear. I'd love to see you next week. Uh, Whether it's here or somewhere else, every one of us will end up in one of those boxes. Now, you might think to yourself, well, that's okay. I don't really want to think about that very much. So you might be someone who thinks about career. I'm going to occupy my... I'm going to put that little thought just across to the side here. I'm going to occupy myself with career. I'm just going to try and get ahead, pour myself into my work, do something that lasts by investing in my work world. And I wouldn't tell you to do otherwise, but if we're doing it to ignore the obvious, it won't do a very good job. Secondly, some of us will go for a cruise... Uh, And they're really helpful. Holidays are great. I can't wait to have one at some point soon. Uh, Holidays are great, aren't they? But what can happen is we can start condensing life into the bit between the holidays, right? We survive, hack our way through the disaster of school terms and whatever, and then there's this brief window where we really live for about as long as our money lasts or the caravan gets a flat tyre or whatever it is that you do, And then we come back home again and we get back to the hacking time until we really live in holidays. That won't work. Some of us are into this thing. I don't know if you've heard this. There's cream and uh, the name of the cream is anti-aging cream. Has anyone heard of this? I mean, of all the things that you could be involved in, anti-aging cream seems to me to be the most peculiar of the things that you could do. Uh, what is an anti-aging cream? Uh, I would imagine it's a bit like Sally's spack filler. <laughs> the, 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 the bold reality is you're not going to get any younger. You're not undoing time by wiping stuff on your face. Yeah? Can we at least get an amen for that? Okay, all right, you understand. That's not going to work. Some of us, though, will not go on a holiday. We won't put stuff on our face. We won't focus on career. We'll just turn to the next funny dog video on YouTube. And what I mean by that is we fritter our life away, avoiding the realities of life, looking at the trivialities of life and fill ourselves up with that. Guess what? It won't work. It won't change the fact that 100% is still the death rate. So what do you do then if that's true? Well, I want to take us to a place in the Bible where there was a real death. And I would like you to open up with me, if you've you've got it there, to John chapter 11 uh, on page uh, 1076. And I want to show you a couple of things here as we work through. If you've got a Bible, it'll look like this. Open it up. 
When we say verse, you see up there, it's got the, uh, the 11 with the two dots. That's a chapter. And then the, the numbers after that are these tiny little numbers, which are called verse numbers or sentence numbers. I'm just going to read you a, a bit here, and we'll think about it together. Uh, verse 11, he says, After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciple replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Incidentally, as an aside, do you notice that the Bible isn't, a sh- isn't afraid to tell you that the disciples didn't get it? Do you see that? It just rings true, doesn't it? Because if we're making it up, you don't say that the disciples are dummies. So we told them plainly, verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Jesus is speaking about a real death. He talks about it in terms of waking someone up, but he's talking about a real death. Lazarus has died, properly ceased to exist, joined the great cloud of people in that 100% statistic. Lazarus actually died. That reality is here in the text. Something else is here, though, as well. Something that gives us this focus on hope that I want to talk about today. Have a look with me. At a little bit further on, verses 21 to 27, see what happens. There's two sisters, uh, sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, and we meet them uh, earlier in, in John's account of Jesus' life. And Jesus loves these guys, and he loved Lazarus. I want you to hear how much care there must have been here. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I don't know how we read that. Is it accusing? Is it regretful? Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. We love you. We know you're awesome, Jesus. And so she says, but I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha's response is, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She says, I've heard about this. There's going to be a raising of everyone on the last day. I know that he'll rise eventually. Jesus isn't talking about that. Then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. What's happening here? Jesus is saying resurrection is possible. And it's not, uh, it's not sitting out there somewhere. It's not a magic spell. It's not something that happens. It's a person. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the one who is able to turn death into sleep, to wake the sleeper and re-bring them to life, return them to life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Real hope is found in a person. Resurrection is found in a person. What does that mean in practice for us? Well, there's a wonderful little summary in the book of Hebrews. It says this. Since the children have flesh and blood, he's talking about human beings, he too, Jesus, shared their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What does this mean? Jesus says, I have come into the world. I've lived in a real body 
I've died a real death. And you know how he died on the cross. He said, I have risen that you may know that death is not the final word. Death is not the final word. And so I want to suggest to you today, even though the death statistic sits at 100%, there is hope for real people like you and I that we will live, that we will live even though we die. New life is a message of hope. A message of hope that death might not be the final word. And so when we have a funeral in here, I want you to know that we'll weep. But we will not weep as those who have no hope. We look forward to the resurrection of those who are trusting in Jesus. And if you've been afraid of death, I want to tell you today, Jesus offers hope because he offers you a sure future beyond the grave. Our building today shows that. I don't know if you've noticed our tower out there. Has anyone noticed that inconspicuous tower out there? It is a little bit inconspicuous, isn't it? Particularly at night when we light it up. On that tower, you may not have noticed that there's a cross in it. Can you see it up there on the screen? So the beams that run through the middle of it actually form a cross. If you've noticed something about the cross out there, it doesn't have something on it. What does it lack? that could be on it, on the cross? Yeah, good answer. Someone said Jesus. Great answer. Well done, mate. Excellent. It could have a Jesus on it, couldn't it? It doesn't. Do you know why? Because he's not dead anymore. Because he's risen. And so our cross is empty to send the message that we have hope beyond death. Hope beyond death. First of all, new life is a message of hope. Secondly, our building exists to offer community, to offer community, be a centre for community. I was reading some statistics the other day. I've been getting into this statistics thing. The death one was hard to find, but I dug it up, Googled it. This one, this was a little bit more peculiar. This number, 35%, it's the number of men who responded to a survey that said, are you lonely? Are you lonely? 35% of men said yes. 29% of women said yes. Yes, I'm lonely. It didn't matter, incidentally, whether they were married or not. Loneliness seems to be one of the blights on our modern world. And if I was to change it from are you lonely to Do I always feel that people understand me, that I am valued as a human being? I would think that those stats would bump up to somewhere near 100%. We long to be understood. We long to be valued. We long to do things with people that will matter. And while we're having that longing, some of us will avoid community by building a castle. Yeah, A man's home is his castle. I'll tell you what a castle is. It's a place to pull up the gates put water in the moat and sit down behind your 75-inch TV or whatever it is, yeah? Some of us will withdraw and try and find ourselves away from everyone else. It's not very helpful. Some of us will solve the friend problem. Easy, isn't it? If you're sitting here looking and going, what is that? Blessed are the ignorant is all I can say. (laughs) 
Does someone out there get me? Friend me later. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? I, th- I think I read that, that most Australians have something like 170 friends on Facebook. Now, honestly, if you made an effort to call each one of them once a year, what would your phone bill look like? But while I can, while I can like your funny cat video, we've been good friends, haven't we? Some of you will get this, some of you are going, I still don't understand it, don't worry. (laughs) The point is, having friends like that isn't enhancing our community, it isn't adding value to our lives. In fact, many of us are sadder, more isolated, more lonely, more undermined in our self-worth by virtue of having virtual friends than we ever were by having 10 people who genuinely knew us. It doesn't work. Some of us will say, well, the answer is, stuff the world out there, we're going to focus on family. Family are the people who you can trust. Family are the people who will get me. And I'd say, don't devalue family. But if the circle of people who know you, who you know, is only as big as your family, I would say that you're poorer and that this community can be better if you'll look beyond your castle. And one of the great joys I have here, now that we have a shopping centre in Oran Park, is that I can walk down the very wide aisles in Woolworths Yes, some people know and appreciate this. With, it, with my trolley with a coffee cup holder in it and meet people that I know. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's when I know I'm in a place where I'm loved and appreciated. We want this to be a place where genuine community can happen beyond family. And I reckon 100% of you, I'm being generous, would like that. I want you to see how Jesus built a community of people who cared. Have a look with me back to John here. I'm going to read verses 32 to 38. Uh, It's on page 1077. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now notice this is the second sister. I wonder if in the four days it took for Jesus to get to Lazarus and to his sisters, whether that was their mantra to one another. If only he was here, he wouldn't have to die. If only Jesus was here, he wouldn't have to die. And when they meet him, their mantra just overflows. Jesus, why couldn't you have come sooner? Why couldn't you have come sooner? And many of you will know that, won't you? That question, why? Why your timing, Jesus? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I want you to see Jesus' reaction. Because at one level, we can have a God who, the, the, the God who is watching us from a distance, you know, you know the song? The God who is watching me from a distance sounds like he wouldn't care about me. Sounds like he wouldn't know me. Sounds like he wouldn't, care for me. Have a look at the God who took on flesh and blood in the person of his son. Have a look at Jesus standing on a dusty street outside of Bethany. Have a look at Jesus and hear how he answers the cry of a weeping sister. Have a look with me at verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. Have a look with me at verse 
35. Jesus wept. He wept over their loss. He cared so deeply, even though he knew what he was going to do, that he wept with them in their loss. That is our God. That is Jesus who we love, weeping with the brokenhearted and those who mourn. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not, who opened the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Now, what do you want to say here? The story's unfolding, it's moving along, but I want you to see real tears. It wasn't for show. Jesus could have just sucked it up and had a stiff upper lip or something and gone, oh, I tell you, folks, don't mourn. I'm going to do something pretty awesome soon. I don't know who that was, by the way, but it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's not the real Jesus. The the, the dusty feet Jesus, the tears down the, the cheeks into the beard Jesus, that's the one who is deeply moved as he stands there with people he loves in front of the tomb of a man he loved. Doesn't that give you hope that maybe God might be able to relate to you? Jesus had created a group of people around him that he cared about so much that he wept as family with them. He wept as family with them. You know, it's a funny thing about Jesus and family. There was a point in his life where Jesus was so busy, it says he didn't even have time to eat. And uh, his family came and found him. And they were going, you're a bit of a nutter, Jesus, back it off, I think was basically the idea. Anyway, Jesus is in the house and everyone's crowding around him and he's teaching and someone sort of passed the note through the crowd, I'm sure it wasn't a note, but said, hey, hey, Jesus, your family's outside, they want to talk to you. Here's what Jesus said, it'll rock your world, you ready? Here's what he said about his family, his brothers, his mum, his dad. He He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. There is a fellowship of people who follow Jesus. A real family that's created in loving and knowing and following Jesus. So that when I'm in, I was in Canterbury in England. I was at a conference there. And as I walk from the dorms up to the room there, I'm standing next to a Nigerian man. I've never met him before. And he puts his arm around my shoulder and says, Brother, how is your church? Now, guys, that could be bravado, that could be anything. But I tell you what, he was family to me. And when he told me that his church had been burnt down because they named Jesus in it, I was able to have my heart broken with him, to care for a place that was not my own because we are family. New life is found in a church community. New life is found in a church community, not lived out on the, out on the fringes of society. If you find this new life in Jesus, we would welcome you into a community of people who love and care for the same things you do. And you know what? That's, that's reflected in our architecture as well. I don't know if you've noticed the, uh, the colours on the tower. Maybe. It's pretty plain, understated, as I said. The architect tells me the idea of the colours 
is of a community coming together, different pieces, different people contributing to become something bigger. The tower is sending the message that we are a church about a community bringing together different people for a common purpose around the cross. New life is found in community. Thirdly, new life, it's about a fresh start. It's about a fresh start. Now, some of you will be thinking, hey, I came to Oran Park to start a fresh start. Yeah? To start a new life. I actually had that conversation with a guy down here when we did one of our Corner Connect barbecues. He said, I've come from this suburb where I used to hear the police sirens at night, where I used to be afraid to go out my door. He said, I built a brand new home in a brand new suburb so my kids could walk to school, so that I could walk out and know my neighbours. He said, I came here to start a new life. I said, that's brilliant. We should name a church after that. Why do you need a fresh start? You know, at one level, you know, we've done this whole thing where Matt's very helpfully led us through a confession of sins. And some of you will be thinking, I don't need to do any of that. I'm doing fine, thank you very much. And so you'll be thinking, I don't need any of that. You want to offer me a fresh start? That's at 0%. But if I talk to you about your regrets, about your shame, and if we took the time to think about your sin, it wouldn't need much pushing from me before in the quiet of your heart you would think to yourself there's some stuff I wish I could get rid of there's stuff I wish didn't dog my conscience there's some stuff I would love to have never have happened in my life and I'd love to undo it I don't know you but if you live in a world like me you will feel that you want at some point a fresh start And I'm going to dare to say today, whether you're feeling it right now or not, that's every one of us. Some of us will respond in different ways. Some of us will go, I've got guilt and shame, so I'm going to tuck into the comfort food, right? Just going to bag of donuts. It'll deal with me. Some of you, however, won't go to the donuts, and maybe not here right now, but maybe quietly in your own time, you'll be crushed by that feeling. It'll leave you feeling worthless. For some of us, we overcompensate and we go, I don't want to ever feel that way again. And so we cover it with confidence. I'm all good. Isn't that the most ridiculous phrase, by the way? I'm all good. You know what? I'm not all good. And you can ask my wife about that. All my kids, no one is all good. And so how about we take the bravado away? It doesn't work. And some of us will try and go, well, I feel bad, and some of it's God kind of directed, so maybe I should do something really good to cover for it, or maybe kind of tick the balance a little bit more in my favour, so we'll give to charity. And if if you're doing that, can I just say, bless you, keep giving to charity, I'm sure the salvos need it, right? But if you think it's working off your guilt and shame, you know deep down inside you could give all the money you have and it wouldn't work. I want to dare to say 100% of us here need a fresh start. The Bible says that we're really dead. Have a look what happened to uh, the guy who was really dead in our story. So uh, verse 39 uh, here in the Bible uh, says this. Jesus said, take away the stone. 
But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, odor, for he has been there four days. Apparently, the KJV says, but Lord, he stinketh. Why would he stink? Because if you put a dead body without refrigeration in a cave for four days, guess what happens? Starts to decay a little bit. Now, here's the thing. If it's doing that, do you think he was probably dead? Yes. Then Jesus said, have a look at this, extraordinary. Then Jesus said, I tell you that if you believe, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he said this, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, I don't know if you've tried this in a graveyard any time recently. Stand in front of a gravestone, pick a name, have a go. What success rate do you think you'll have? Nothing. We'll go to our statistics again. We'll, we'll, none. You'll have no success. Have a look what happened. When Jesus said it, the dead man came out, verse 44, his hands and feet wrapped with linen, strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I kind of love it. The mummy lives or something, you know, like it. He would have been bound up and yet he comes out. You know, people have said that if Jesus didn't say, Lazarus, come out, if he just said, come out, every grave on earth would have burst open. That's the resurrection power of Jesus. Dead man, come out. And a lifeless, rotting body has life reinvigorated. It sits upright, it stands and it walks from the tomb. That's you and I. In our guilt and shame, we are dead. We offer God nothing. We are spiritually dead. And yet he says, I will give you life. I will cause you to have a fresh start. And so the spiritually dead, the Bible says, get a second chance. You and I can have a second chance. Have a listen to these beautiful verses. This is where the name comes from at New Life. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Here's the payoff not counting people's sins against them. What's the point? The point is that on the cross, Jesus died my death and your death. In our place, he paid the price. By rising again, he offers not just to pay the price, but to give us life. A new life, a fresh life. Conscience cleansed, record trashed. You, you know, somehow, you, you, uh, we used to have um, things called fax machines. Anyone remember them? You know, if you got a fax, say someone sent through a fax, there was a thing next to the fax as well, a thing that would eat things. Do you, do you remember this? Shredder. If that came through, right, and you decided you didn't want anyone to get it, you could take that message and put it in here, and guess what? It'd be gone. What happens with email? Sometimes it goes, but it's living out there somewhere, isn't it? In the cloud. 
It's never really gone. And if you ever had that, that, that feeling when you send a thing and you go, oh no. Anyone had that feeling? Oh, I didn't mean to send that. Or you look up and you think, oh, I didn't mean to address it to those people. The messages we send today seem to be having a life of their own. They run around. They're not able to be deleted. The record of sin that stands against you and I can be utterly deleted, never to be retrieved, so that you and I can stand before the living God and he's not able to reach into the filing cabinet and go, oh, yes. (laughs) Wow. That record will be gone if you and I trust in Jesus and ask for his forgiveness, never to be recovered. New life, you see, begins with a fresh start with God. Begins with a fresh start with God. And you know, that's actually in our architecture as well. Uh, You know, people, when they talk about starting again, talk about turning over a new leaf. Can you see the roof line up there? Have a look. Can you see the, uh, the roof line? See how it curves like that? The idea is that it's a leaf of the Bible. And that the new leaf you'd be turning over is saying, I'm in with Jesus. I want to live as someone who follows him. My, loop, my new life starts by turning over one of these leaves. You know, there are two responses to Jesus. I don't know about you. Imagine somebody, funeral happened four days later, someone rocks up, a bit dusty from out of town, goes over to the place where the dead body is, says, come out, a dead bloke comes out, a dead bloke comes out. The guy you said farewell to comes out. And everyone kind of goes, oh, that's pretty interesting. I wonder what's on the footy this Savo. Likely? No. Extraordinary. And so what are the two responses? Well, response A, which kind of makes sense, uh, which kind of makes sense, is this one. Uh, verse 45, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and seen what Jesus did believed in him. And everyone said, Yeah. Of course they did. It's extraordinary. No one's ever done that. They believed in him. And so today, if you're someone who's trusting in Jesus, I want to say, keep doing it. He's extraordinary. He's wonderful. He is the author of new life. And if you're here today and you don't go somewhere else to church and you've believed in Jesus, can I say, make us your home. Make us your home. You know where we are now. You know what time we start. It'll look very much like this next week. Make us your home. If you're spiritually homeless, but you believe in Jesus, make this your home. Number two, if you haven't done it before, can I encourage you? You might like to come and do Jesus for the Curious with me. Find out some more. I've started to follow him. I'd like to know some more. Come and do the course with me. That would be great. There was a second reaction, though, which you guys might be surprised about. Uh, there was a group of people there who were the Jewish leaders. And they said, what are we accomplishing? Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Their decision was, we don't want any more of this resurrection stuff. It might mean that we're not as important anymore. And so they made a plot to kill the man who brought dead people back to life. Who would do that? And yet it's possible to hear this message of Jesus, isn't it? And think, actually, I don't really need that. I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm someone who's got this whole life thing sorted out. Now, I 
I hope that guy looks a little ridiculous, do you think? It's this fake self-sufficiency that would mean that we resist the man who can raise the dead. I'll be okay, I'll be fine. And I just look at you and say, that's good. How are you doing with the death statistics? Some plotted to kill him. Here's what I'd like to say. I've said this before, so if you've heard this before, put up with me. When I was a boy, and I can say that today because I'm 40 today, so that's good. Uh, when I was a boy, back when I was a boy, you see, that's, that's more important, isn't it? Uh, my mum told me uh, not to eat watermelon seeds. She said, if I ate watermelon seeds, a watermelon tree would grow out my ears. I like watermelon. And so what I did was studiously eat every watermelon seed I could find. Do you know why? Because I wanted a watermelon tree to grow out my ears. Here's what I found over years of trying that. Do you know what I found? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, as an adult, I know that that's silly. But as a kid, I thought it was okay. Some of you will have formed a decision about Jesus when you were a kid. And I want you to check it out as an adult. I want to encourage you, first of all, if you've not done it, we've got a free Bible at the back. It's one book, Book of Mark, Mark's account of Jesus' life. It's totally free. Take you 45 minutes to read. Can I encourage you? Have a read. Totally free on, on us. Check it out. Give it a read and think about it as an adult. Number two, can I encourage you, because I reckon it'll be great for you and for me, come to do Jesus for the Curious with me. Tell you why. I won't make fun of you. Promise. I will hear your objections. I want to work through with you why it is that you don't want to say, Jesus, be my king. And I want to help you come to the point where you say yes and find new life in him. This building, what's it here for? Why isn't it a tent? What's here, we're here for new life. We're here for new life. And today I want to say to you, your new life can begin today. A new life filled with hope, filled with community, and filled with a fresh start. I'm going to pray now that God might help that to be the case. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you're not the God who watches us from a distance. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, that he died for us, that our sins might be forgiven, that he rose, that we might have life beyond death. I want to pray for people here today who might be thinking that today is a great day to start new life with you. I pray, Father, that you might help them to say yes to you today. That, Father, we might agree with your verdict and say that we are truly sorry for our sins, that we are thankful for Jesus, and that we would ask you, please, Lord, to come into our life as King. We ask it in his name. Amen.